What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain we finally did it after six years of R&D and a couple attempts that ah, weren't exactly quite right, we came out with our flagship protein bar and these delicious things we're calling protein bites. Now, both of them, the core constituents, have over 60 different plant materials combined in this protein bar. So it's not like one of those other bars that's you know, one or two ingredients that eat, has you eating pretty much the same food as you would eat normally. This is really expanding your micronutrient profile, giving you access to all of these exotic foods, fruits, flowers, vegetables, herbs, but still keeping an ideal macronutrient profile. Sugar is really low, three grams for the protein bars, five grams for the protein bites. Everything is earth-grown, plant-sourced when we can, and also utilizing whey as a complete protein to help make sure that you're covering your protein needs. I'm really excited about these bars. They taste delicious. The protein bites themselves, it's pretty much like eating a candy bar. It's unbelievable what we were able to do uh, using other natural sweeteners like stevia, lohan, and all of these other different plant sources. So definitely check it out. Go to onit.com slash Aubrey, save 10% as you always do, and bite into some Onit protein bars and protein bites. You might have heard Michael Wood Jr. on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. He's a former officer in the Baltimore Police Department, turned whistleblower, who really just started telling the truth about the things that he had seen and the things that he had done while working as an officer. But what I was really surprised to see was how conscious, how conscientious, and how compassionate this man was. I really enjoyed this podcast. It's exploring a topic that I don't often get to go into, how to create a conscious criminal justice system, and I think you guys are really going to dig it. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast for a sample of my upcoming course, Go For Your Win. So, man, you got to tell me, like, when you had to go and you found someone with, like, a little bit of pot on them, like... (laughs) How did it? How did it feel? Did you know it was fucked up right from the start? Like, like, like as soon as you saw, it, you're like, oh, "Fuck, man!" Like, We're starting I, right there, huh? Yeah, of course. Okay. We're starting right there. Right. What do you think? What, do you, what kind of podcast do you think this is? We ain't got time. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I was never into minor drug offenses. I mean, I did, I did, I did cannabis yeah. when I was a kid. Right. I mean, of course. So I was never into that. Thought it was part of the job. I think you kind of have this rationalization where it's like we live in a democracy. You voted for these people. And police have this saying, and it's, we don't make the laws, we just enforce them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, it's my job, I'm not here to placate the politics or play that game. 
So you just do it. But usually, I mean, by time I had time on and I wasn't some, you know, doughy eyed uh, rookie. Yeah. Then, yeah, I mean, I, I never dealt with a dime bag or anything like that. <laughs> you know, I just moved on. That was irrelevant. Right. Yeah. You just kind of didn't see it. Wasn't there kind of deal? Well, no, I mean, I admit it was there. I just dump it out or just, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. play a game with it. Sometimes you might hold it over somebody's head, you know. Yeah, so, right, a little yeah, bit of leverage. Because what you can do is, like, that's how you do get some leverage, especially in the drug game, is say I would I would find you with something, and then I, would, I wouldn't arrest you for it. I would just put a warrant out for you, or I would just write the warrant and yeah. let you see it so that you knew that all I had to do was hand in this piece of paper for the next two, three, four, five years, depends on what the statute of limitations is. That mm-hmm. I could arrest you at any point in time, so you can actually like use that as a delay to kind of. So that's some that's some veteran shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's some veteran shit. But but I mean, at some point that that consciousness of all right, here are the rules. Here's my job as an offer, officer. But the rules are fucked, and that's a dilemma that anybody in service really has to deal with. It's a dilemma of a soldier. It's the dilemma of a cop. It's the dilemma of anyone who has a large infrastructure that's not exactly reflexive to the modern times because they're massive like law governing bodies you know you have to confront that at a certain point and that's something that's a point of tension i think that probably a lot of people feel well it's definitely growing you know uh, a lot of people are, are understanding how the drug war doesn't work but we we still have this like entrenched mindset uh, just in the country as a whole like i mean if you go to iowa and talk to some 60 year old person mm-hmm. they're still going to be in like reefer badness and we kind of accept that and we expect that. But you can go into Baltimore and find a 70-year-old black woman and she's also in reefer madness because they grew up under these social constructs yeah. that were just slower. They were misinformed. And now that we have the internet out, I think that as a soldier, uh, I realize that our foreign policy and our domestic policy, they're like the same thing. Uh, either way, I was a tool of the oligarchy so to say, or, or however you want to define our, our country right now, to go out there and extract resources from oppressed people to strengthen our society. I mean, that is what we do domestically as police, and that's what we do overseas as soldiers. Yeah, and it's tough because your impulse as someone who served in both fronts is to help people. Right. Like, And that's, I think, something that people can lose. Like, You have people whose impulse is generally to be a hero. You know, sometimes there's some, you know, power, power games and power metrics, some, you know, this is an opportunity for me to be the prison guard in that Stanford experiment and, you know, utilize my sadistic, you know, kind of tendencies. But that's by far and away the exception. Most of the time, it's just people who want to serve, who like have the impulse to help people, but then they get put in positions where the laws and the, and the missions that they're going on are counterproductive at, in a whole. You know, so like on the microcosm, the human is the hero. The mission is misguided. Right, totally. And then you can kind of get into some consequential ethics where even if you want to do good, you know that that system is bad. But if you're not there, well, then who will be? So, you know, people will stick around thinking that maybe they can be at least the lesser evil. And right now, I think like police are kind of trapped in that. If you're a good cop, really the best thing that you could do is try to mitigate the fascism as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you you know all the all the conscientious cops quit in protest, and then what the fuck do you have? That's in effect, right? Right? <laughs> like then all of a sudden it's like it's like all the good teachers are mad at the education system, so they quit. And right. It's like people still got to go to school. 
Right. You know, so like, what are you stuck with? <laughs> you know, it's a fucking serious dilemma. Right. And I, and we're kind of like trapped in that. And I was really focused on that. Like that was my drive is to try and see if I could bridge like this divide that we kind of have where we're not like looking at reality. We're not looking at our society. We're kind of stuck in our own social constructs. And then like feels to me like since the election, like it's just gone off the rails that I can't even have discussions anymore. So now I'm stuck in this place where I have cops asking me what they should be doing, activists acti- asking me what they should be doing, and a reality that doesn't enable any of them to do anything, and neither of them are really willing to take any risks. Well, I'm so glad you're on the podcast to give us the solution and the answer to those questions. So go ahead. <laughs> I certainly do not have those answers. What? What? This is bullshit. This is bullshit. Cut the podcast. We're out of here. No, yeah, those are those are impossible questions at this point. And it's it's just the the key thing for me that I always focus on is lawmakers and politicians, they always lag. Like they're always something that's you know, retro, they're, they're retro. They're like lagging behind the times. And what leads the times are these movements that eventually the politicians will catch up to. Like you, you we imagine that there's going to be this hero that leads from the front, this George Washington motherfucker that's going to come and like, yeah, and then come and have really clear logic and compel and actually move the world forward. That's just not the political landscape that we live in right now. You know, w- the best we can do is to get someone 10 years behind our time instead of what we have now, which is like 30 years behind our time or whatever. It's like how just shorten the amount of lag is that's just the, that's just the way it goes. So the key is we got to start changing the ideas of those people in Iowa, those 60 year olds in Iowa and the 70 year olds in Baltimore and, and which is hard because people get stuck on their shit. Yeah. They're, they're totally stuck and wrapped up in it. Cause we're almost telling, I feel like, Okay, science has gotten us to this point where I think everything is too delayed. So mm-hmm. that even by time a scientific study is completed, you can only say that this was true at that time under those circumstances in that environment, which was often five years ago. And in the age of chaos and rapid technology advancement, five years ago is a fucking century, century. You know, to us now. So like, think about going back in technology to a cell phone from five years ago. Like, dude, I do not want to use a phone. <laughs> like, that those is, round ass right, that's crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Ew. Like, that's crazy with those slow internet 3G. Yeah. Come on. I'm not 3G. doing that crap. Like so everything is 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 delayed. Yeah. And now we since we know this, we've gotten to this point where we said, okay, the scientific method has shown us that all these things in the past are actually what you knew then. So the best you can do is actually inform the decision makers who are looking to the future. But we have a kind of social construct of conservatism that's like the 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 what is it? It's not the pilgrims. It's, what's it called when you're a Puritan, Puritans. Puritan kind of mm-hmm. kind of roots where we're stuck in that authority comes from the past and it does not. Information comes from the past to fuel. We need to go where the puck is going, not where it has been or even where it is. And like activism, for example, is stuck on this history uh, competition of who knows of oppression Olympics the most, you know, who can yeah. describe oppression the most, but who out there, Olympics. Yeah, who, who out there is looking yeah. to solve oppression, right? So if you're Sean King and your entire career is predicated on oppression existing, every incentive that you have in the entire world means that you are going to set a tone and a narrative that assures that oppression will continue. You're agreeing with the oppression, with your consciousness, with right. your voice. It's like you're creating a chord with that mindset and 
you know, it's it's another one of those tricky things because yes, oppression does exist, but there's two ways to approach it. One, you focus everything on the pain. You focus on the victim, victimness. Everybody's a victim. Let's highlight these victims. Focus all of our attention, or you focus on. Hey, look, there's some unconscious people who are asleep to the fact that these people that they are oppressing are actually the same as them, probably because they don't feel enough love, probably because they've been traumatized, probably because they've been hurt and they've been misguided. Let's try to wake these people up, you know, and let's also wake the victims up and let them know that they are not vulnerable. They are not a victim. They can't be oppressed without someone else's permission, not in spirit, maybe in body, maybe in their bank account. But that shit doesn't matter because that's just a flicker in the fucking dance of time what really matters is who they really are that force of consciousness that you know eternal traveler and that person cannot be victimized so let's focus on that and then there's but that's not what we're doing right not that's the opposite you know? i went um so we traveled to like 42 different cities along with the vans warp tour and some other traveling trying to make some connections with activists and police reform people that were that were interested in the discussion to see what it is and, and pathways to go forward. But what I really learned during that co- like, like that time was even my bubble in the coasts and, and the idea of, of where I am and kind of like liberal surroundings. And when I went out there and, and traveled like through the Midwest, through Ohio and all that, like, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I agree with Chappelle. Like, I didn't see deplorables. I didn't see people who were racist. I didn't see these ideologies. I saw people with the exact same complaints, viewing the exact same suppre- oppression and, and, you know, the inequalities of life. And mm-hmm. in West Virginia, I saw the exact same poverty and oppression that I see in Baltimore. But those groups are fighting against one another with the exact same words. And when I tell one, like, look, the other one's the same as you. And I tell the other one, look, the other one's the same as you. And you're, you're actually, like, if we can be this team, then we can really fight a- a- and be what America is trying to be. But instead, we're, like, getting mad about the other person just being slightly different than us. And it's that tribalism, that, yeah. that categorization. So, you know, race is a social construct. It, it, it is. Um, you know, racism is an action and race is a construct, a categorization that we have. And with that categorization, as long as you say, and it's hard when you're talking to the oppressed, it's hard to say, like, look, as long as you keep saying, because I'm black, you sow the exact construct that will assure that this continues. Mm-hmm. And when you go tell poor white people, as long as you continue to be entrenched in this conservative ideology, you will not be looking towards the future where we can improve and unite together and all be one tribe because we are all in America in the same society and we're all in the same states building the same thing. We are team human, team earth, not right. team artificial boundary that you, you wanted to put across some river that somebody, again, 100 years ago told you was relevant. It's just this arbitrary dividing line. Like you, you do look, you do an ancestry test, and you get all your races and all your things. Like we're not one fucking thing, anyways. Maybe we had a, maybe we're a little bit more. It's all a sliding scale, anyways. Like we're all cousins. I did a podcast with this guy AJ Jacob. He came out with this book called um, I think it's something like it's all relative or, but basically everybody is a sixtieth cousin of everybody else. Like we are literally all mm-hmm. related. Like, and all of our DNA is shared. All of our ancestry is shared. Like everybody through marriage or blood is a fucking family, you know. And so, all of these arbitrary lines about all of these, all of these things—they're not real. They're just kind of made up structures in people's heads, anyways. And it's just an opportunity to 
calls someone out as different than you, which is a way that the ego can play this game of superiority and dominance. Well, I have to be dominant over somebody, so I'm going to make them different and make me dominant. But it's all bullshit. Right. So I'm watching media and the people that I go with and like try to talk to and you think are like the pathways to get discussion and public things. But then the left media is calling like Trump supporters idiots and talking down to them when if you are ever taking the moral position, yeah. you should be the one that's not throwing totally. out insults at everybody and trying to throw everybody in prison. So how can you be against the prison industrial complex, but yet root to put all your enemies into the prison industrial <laughs> complex? Like those are the things we're trying to work out right now. And I'm personally super stuck on how to get that now that are like, I felt like we were having progress, but, but since the election, we've totally broken free from that so i had to write a book i've had to talk about policing Mm -hmm. and i just like i feel like as a society we have to fight kind of through whatever this thing is right now. yeah and i think it's going to have to be more than words i think it's going to have to be bringing back ritual again like there's a place for ritual in our in our human nature structure collapses that collapses the these artificial boundaries it's either going to have to be a large external force like in 9-11, nobody was worried about race for sure. like a hot minute, <laughs> right? Cause it a couple was like, years at least. Yeah, because there was some external force. In Independence Day, you know, when he's giving his fucking Independence Day speech, people aren't looking around like, oh, fuck, I got to fly that spaceship with a black dude. Mm-hmm. You know, like nobody's saying <laughs> that. There's it. aliens. All right, so we didn't need fucking aliens. Solution right. one. Or we need to bring back ritual like in ancient Chavin, this culture in Peru. It's like one of the longest stretches in any area where they found no evidence of war. And part of it was they served this plant preparation called Wachuma. We call it San Pedro because it got Christianized and they called it St. Peter, but whatever. It's really called Wachuma. And it's a very kind of serotonergic, very heart opening. You see the humanity in everybody around you. And they would offer free ceremony and ritual to all the travelers and everybody who came through. So all these potential warlords after drinking the cup of Wachuma with everybody around him was like, oh, I don't want to kill these guys. I fucking love these guys. These are my brothers and sisters. Like, we're all same. And I think that's one of the ways that I'm actually hopeful that we're going to get there. And those are coming through, you know, scientifically, religiously, like all the great plants are now coming back. And I think it's going to have to be a lot of people just sitting down, ass on the grass, you know, ingesting some plants or maybe doing some other types of rituals, breathing or you know, fucking cold immersion. I don't know. There's lots of ways to state shift, but we're going to have to get back to some of that and have that in kind of consciousness. It's going to have to be a consciousness game. I kind of like, I'm agreeing with you and I'm really happy that you're saying that because as someone that has been like an aggressive kind of pusher of agendas really fast. And I kind of come at things aggressively and (laughs) force them down, Mm -hmm. down people that one of the things that I've hit upon is that it it probably does have to be slower. It has to be more human. And I'm I'm butted up against this idea that humans are inherently violent. And that has kind of gone across our society. And that is completely untrue. Um, Mm -hmm. We are the reason that we are at the top of the food chain is because we have had the most remarkable cooperation and peace from any species on this planet. If you are violent, you will die. And when you die, you do not procreate. You know, it's not survival of the fittest. It's survival of the fittest it's survival of the fittest to survive yeah so like you have to be peaceful and cooperative that same marvel when we look down at the ants and we're like wow like the guy your cooperation and communication this is ridiculous we'll zoom out and look at the earth and you would be like oh my god they changed the earth with their extreme levels of cooperation Mm -hmm. but we focus on this little idea of peace 
and, and, and or, or that we can be violent. We don't focus on this big picture of peace that you're talking about and kind of the rituals that let us through and, and have that stability and familiarity of what human kind of existence is yeah. in, in cohesion. And we, we have that backed in the police sciences. So one reason why I had to write this book that I have to talk about is that it, as I kind of was telling people things like, look, we don't know how much crime is committed. Like that. That's like on step 10, where they're like, wait, what are you saying? I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, an arrest is a measure of a cop's activity, not an act, a measure of a citizen's activity. Sure. You know, that's, that's a cop went out and did something. It has nothing to do with a crime being committed. Mm-hmm. We have no clue. And they're like, wait, <laughs> what? So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so everything, that ends, you know, everything in criminal justice and everything in police data is absolute nonsense. We can't, we don't know anything. And they're like, wait, what, what, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, because effectiveness of the cop is in the available resources. It's all variable. Right. So and a cop's purpose should be the elimination of crime. So his drive and incentives should be the elimination of, of his, his purpose. <laughs> right. And so yeah. if you're not, if your job is to arrest people, well, your job is fundamentally structured to continue to proliferate your job. And so the seeds of crime, one of which being locking people up, is known to, to cause. So we have three. Same with the prison. If you're running prison as a business and your job in prison is to reform people so that they don't go back to prison, you're trying to push yourself out of business. Right, right. So that, that actually, if you have a moral agenda, your moral agenda should always be to eliminate your purpose. Because yeah. you achieve one success. day I want to walk through this prison and have no one in it. Right. And they know, like that, that someplace. That should be the fucking goal. Right. But it is isn't the goal if that's you got fucking shareholders and you got big money backing it and it's mm-hmm. you know and we have three things that we we actually know or correlate it at least to crime that we have solid the first one is environmental poisoning so lead poisoning leads that thing so if we were human and we were treating everybody with respect with the nature we wouldn't be throwing lead into our bodies which is causing crime and escalating us from our inherently peaceful yeah, really position um the second thing is um the the we, we see it in the sciences because of our social construct as the lack of a father in a home. But that's not what that, that is. That's an indicator of stability. So when you have a family and you have stability, then you have that ritual that you're talking about. You get up, you have breakfast, you, you go to your meeting. And that could be church. I mean, I'm going to go with you that your version of meditation is far superior to church. But, you know, whatever, <laughs> sure. whatever we need to kind of unite people, you have that kind of ritual effect. And the third thing is cops. So the presence of police increases crime. And actually, by our measurements, the presence of police necessitates crime. Um, There's no cops on Wall Street. That's why you don't have them being busted for crimes, though they commit a hell of a lot more crimes than any average citizen in Baltimore. Yeah, because everybody's committing crimes. And it's just when the cops are present, then people are getting arrested. (laughs) Right. And if they're looking. So it's all a matter of looking when you're in a state of overcriminalization. For example, when we say things like I would kind of defend the police or something, they're like, well, who, who, how did they pull this cop or this cop had no right to pull this car over? It's like, have you seen vehicle law? Like, you can pull any car over. It is yeah. absolutely impossible to drive legally. Right. I mean, it's impossible to live your life legally. So it's only a matter of whether you're looked upon or not. And when you're, when, when you're kind of getting into this theory where you're like, you're telling me the only difference between crime is whether someone looks at me or not, and whether I'm not an actual criminal. It's like, so yeah, if you look at black guys, guess what? That's who you eliminate. It was black guys. If you look at poor white people, guess what? That's who we eliminate as criminals. We don't look at Wall Street. So guess what? We don't eliminate. We, we don't recognize them yeah. as criminals. So I had to go all the way back and write this book trying to explain like what 
free will is and what autonomy is and what the human nature is of, of how we can go about handling things such as witnesses. Like there's a chapter on witnesses, whereas we put people in prison now for, you know, a witness says something. And if you have a witness saying something, that is totally one person's word against another. And then you are putting the whole force of the state under a condition that says comply or die with our allegations with this essentially a snitch, which we've already known as a proven liar, untrustworthy, because they just were untrustworthy to you. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? so, <laughs> so we're going to take that whole situation to put somebody in prison. Yeah. And that's and then if you, have, if you have the finances to get a great lawyer and, you know, get, get all that, you have a greater chance of actually maybe, you know, manipulating the system to your favor, whether that is justice or not, you know, which is another one of the right. injustices. So crime and punishments in the 21st century, it has a chapter that says the exact same thing you're talking about. So my argument is that public defenders should be what everyone gets. Yeah. So you can put a check on that real fast. If rich people, if you want to have a good lawyer, guess what? Everybody gets a good lawyer because we're all going to have public defenders and we're all going to be treated equally under that system of a comply or die situation against the state. Because then if there's any place where we should be equal, it's when the state's trying to put us in a prison cell. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, assuming that everybody can reach that just general level of standard where justice could actually be achieved, which is should be the minimum standard of being mm, a fucking what public is justice? defender. That's a good question right there. Well, that is also another very sticky question because I think, again – people trying to put things in box guilty and innocent like there's it's usually a spectrum and it's just a really weird line where you draw the line as to where someone is because we're all guilty of some stuff we're all innocent of some stuff we're all we're compelled we all were you know choice and compulsion and all of this it gets very fucking it's very slippery especially when your goal is punishment not actually the benefit of all like in some of the, like the Norwegian prison prison systems where it's truly like they have art in the prison and it's trying to rehumanize people instead of dehumanize people so that they could actually get to a place where there are no prisons anymore you know that people are actually reformed rather than this 90 some percent recidivism rate that we're looking at for a lot of criminals if yeah. you, if you were a victim of a crime like somebody close to you was killed or or so however how would you feel that justice like what would that be like what would the outcome of that make you how would you feel that i'm just curious well i've i mean i've had recently i had someone accuse me of the out of the blue accuse me of the most ridiculous most ridiculous claims possible like a straight up reputation assassination attempt and it was interesting because all the people around me they wanted to fucking kill him like all my homies were like i'm gonna fucking kill that guy like he dead he gone and i was like no it's all good like this is an opportunity for me to release my attachment to my identity and for me to practice forgiveness when it's the hardest you know and like you can make that choice to to take it in you know see the best possible see this in the best possible light like see the hindsight, like what you would look back at, you know, and say the lessons you could learn. You can have hindsight now. Have hindsight is foresight. So there's an opportunity for that, and I'd like to think that. However, I also see what happens when someone fucks with somebody I love. <laughs> That's way harder. Like somebody does something to my fiance Whitney, it's fucking fire and you know guns like i don't care i'll stab a motherfucker in the throat like that's my girl you know so it's it's different you know like that that human instinct of 
you know, forgiving, like, oh, yes, I see you slap my fiance in the face. And, you know, I see that you were in pain. But no, fuck that. You're going to die. You sure, know, so that's so like those, are the, you, those are the impulse. So that's you. So what if it gets into the state, into the hands of the state, though? So, like, if you want to kill, like, I, I stopped a guy once that had killed the person who raped his sister. And he did it, like, within hours, you know, finding out, hunted him down, killed him. And I feel like, <laughs> you know like you know like i was totally like okay you know this guy's obviously i mean like you've served eight years for that that's preposterous so but that's you so what would that look like when the state does it though when would you say okay the criminal justice system actually provided me justice i think you have to i think you have to see you know the perpetrators in some way as you have to maintain and see the human in them as well always and have the goal for that human to still have a positive outcome like change the punishment paradigm so that the idea is to get that human to a healthy place and so that that human could contribute again to humanity and not ever do this again you know what i mean rather than the punitive side of things like this old eye of hammurabi kind of code like Mm -hmm. you did this you do this like the goal is to rehumanize everybody and recognize the humanness in all people and i think that's the that's the shift that i think ultimately when we when we look back at this 100 years from now you know assuming that consciousness continues to elevate which it seems to be going i think that's the way that we'll do it i mean it is that norwegian system it's like all right i see you human flawed you know you've done this there's no excusing this was not saying that this was okay we're not but we're also saying that, you know, we need to rehumanize you and get to the root problem of what caused you to do this and use the information about what we learn about what caused this and apply this universally so that we prevent more people from actually doing it. Okay. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. The root. It's like, what is the root in our crimes when we look at this? So if we think about the criminal justice system as it is now, when a police comes and investigates an armed robbery at a bank. They look at all the situations which led up to the robbery, all the actions, all the outcomes of what the person did. And then we try to regulate the person from doing those outcomes in the future. Mm. But we don't look at what caused these things to occur. And so there's always a root cause. And my argument is, is that we actually have two separate categories of crimes. We have contract violations, which are our agreements to not park somewhere or to not speed. These are, these are violations. And then we have crimes of violence. So there's actually no such thing as a robbery. You would have a theft, which was a contractual violation, and then you would have an act of violence. And that act of violence, I think, is always a biological malfunction. And we will, throughout the past history, whenever we thought demons were possessing people and we find out that they're just having seizures and we have medicines for doing that, we have, we've had people that had pedophilia and they took a, a, a tumor out of their brain and it was gone. And so we know these things actually always end up with a biological medical route that we could be attaching and almost inoculating people throughout the entire country with a vaccine, but we do not even look to see what could be causing the mm-hmm. violence to respond. So I, I'm trying to fight that that justice is creating the situation where it doesn't occur again, which means treating all violence as a medical issue, not as a criminal issue. They're all just 
everything else is just violations of societal contracts. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You just got to look also at the flaws of the medical model and understand that medicine, totally. that yes. medicine <laughs> isn't even looking at the root cause of right. fucking problems anyways. But it's, you're absolutely right because a lot of times this is – so much of this is based on trauma, you mm-hmm. know, based on some kind of traumatic incident in the past that's created this – you know, when trauma happens in the brain, the brain – you know, tries to wall off those memories, shift you from it. Your whole subconscious and somatic memory is pushing you away from any situation that might be similar. So if a man did something bad to you, it's going to be weird around men your whole life. And, you know, you're going to have, you got to go back and create favorable conditions for the body to be able to heal that trauma. That's the work that like MAPS is doing, you know, so there's the trauma element. And then, like you said, there's toxin element like lead mm-hmm. you know i wasn't aware of that study but it makes perfect well, sense. you'll see it i mean it's it's by far the largest correlate there is that's why new york is the safest city in the entire country because in the one. 90s they fought lead poisoning and now they have lead at the lowest levels in the entire nation that's amazing i've uh, also i've also seen studies too that showed that if you gave um kids who are in juvenile hall if you gave them a multivitamin regimen that they were far less likely to come back and be violent, just nutrient deficiency. Sure, I think like seriously, huge one. Those like, I, I mean, I don't think that we're going to find out like that's remotely fringe at all. Yeah. I, I, like that's really going to be the solution. To everything. I don't even believe that there's such thing as psychological trauma, and we have to get over the mind body separation that we have. When somebody does something to you, that experience, even if I don't physically touch you, if it emotionally hurts you, you will have oxytocin, or if it's good, r- racing through you. You yep. will have cortisol, if it's bad, racing through you. And, and throughout that entire time, your biology is literally changing. Mm-hmm. And your, your memories will be affected in your brain the way – and that, that all is our, our equation. So I don't think we have free will, actually. I think we have a moral responsibility to create experiences that enhance those around us. And, and it's kind of a symbiotic relationship because if we can't do anything that we haven't been exposed to. So an ISIS terrorist can't bomb somebody in the name of ISIS if the concept of ISIS has never been presented to them. So you all, we're, we're just the conglomeration of our biological upbringing, our, our root DNA, and then all the environmental experiences that happen to us. And they literally change our physiology sure. to the point that if we're violent, it is literally because something affected our physiology that stopped our most core human principle, which is peace. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, I have a, a slight different, slightly different opinion on free will, but I think you have to look at free will again as not a binary system. Again, that's another thing that people like to say, free will, total and complete, or complete absolutism, where determinism and you're just doing what your biological impulses are. It's, in my opinion, neither. It's on the sliding scale. It's what Dan Dennett in his book Elbow Room describes as like, you got like a little bit of room. <laughs> you know, like if you're going to an ice cream shop and it really doesn't matter you probably have free will in what flavor you choose because it's a very minor choice with low consequences. You don't have a lot of fear. You know you're getting ice cream anyways, so your greed and hunger mm-hmm. impulse is going to be satisfied. So yeah, probably you do have free will and if you choose the fucking Rocky Road or the pistachio. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe there's some kind of like, uh, I fucking want this walnut and my subconscious is saying that and there's a little bit. But in bigger issues, yeah, I mean we only have a, a little bit, a limited purview 
of how much free will we have until we become hyper-conscious, hyper-aware, unified in our body. So we know what our body is saying. We know what our unconscious mind is saying. And then our conscious mind, we can expand that for maybe a 2% amount of free will. So only things right on the tipping point can we choose to maybe it goes to 6% or 8% or 10% or 12%. And then the rest is just biology. You know, and, and I think that's kind of probably a, a more fair way to look at free will, you know, is not this black or white thing like a lot of the time. So, so what we're saying is, you know, on the criminal side, someone is tilted over where their range may be at the very best decision they could possibly make, ma- utilizing the maximum amount of free will. They could barely just possibly not be a criminal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe. <laughs> but instead, we want to hit people right on that 50-50 line where only their very worst choice and their very you know, most compulsive you know, greediest, whatever would cause them to be a criminal, but them just running the midline is non-criminal behavior and just shifting that whole spectrum. Why would you think that there are those those groups like the one you were talking about? And for one, I think ritual sows, sows in those muscle memories so mm-hmm. that you actually have like a human empathetic response for it. So that's why I would say you should, by encouraging people to go into such a thing, then you are creating an experience which will inform their experiences, which will actually directly inform their decision-making process sure. because you set in a ritual of human empathy as a muscle memory response. Yep. Um, and I don't know where I was going to go after that, but <laughs> I wanted to make sure I, I accounted for, for that aspect that, that I, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of see it that way. I don't think that the free will thing... Um, it's kind of like weird. I just don't feel like we have any – once we start with free will, then we kind of start setting in this concept that I get to then judge you. And if you have a multiple choice and, and you subjectively think mm-hmm. that this is different, like who the fuck am I to say that your rational choice was irrational? So it would almost mean if we have free will, then all of our – actions have to be rational and that's or all free will choices would have to be rational and i don't see human beings very good at rational responses. no as i said yeah it's a, it's a very limited it's so, a very limited it's interesting amount. though i you don't know, know. Like, yeah i think um i think we're i think part of this is the game of consciousness the game of awareness is to expand free will it's to give yourself mm. more options it's to okay. give yourself more purview and agency over your life like if you're asleep you have no free will like the people who are, you know, morning, pint of coffee, night, you know, ambient and everything else, day, you know, you're just basically like moving yourself for, you know, fucking worse, whatever. Everybody drinks coffee and a lot of people take ambient. But I'm just saying like you're jacking yourself up to just stay awake. You're going into the grind. You're, you know, hitting your head with a, head, with a sledgehammer to go to sleep at night. And it's just repeat, repeat, rinse and repeat, you know, news on television in this cycle. You may have... 0.2% free will, just enough to choose an ice cream flavor. Choose that damn 0.2% <laughs> to drag everybody in to those experiences yeah. that will yeah, make man. us better. No, That's I, what I really I like. Like agree. you're saying with drugs or with cannabis or anything, I feel like the same thing. Like if you just dropped a whole bunch of blunts on top of the riot and let the cops smoke too, like they would fucking get how dumb all this is. Yeah, you know? the, the cannabis blimp <laughs> yeah. just running around, just sensing instead of Batman. It's just yeah, fucking. It's cortisol levels go up dropping, and you just drop them. Dropping right. the MDMA in really tense situations, <laughs> like weed in other situations. Yeah, man. I, and I think it's just as the, 
and it's universal too, like nutrition, ritual, all of these things. Like I spent, I went 30 minutes outside of Nashville and I go to this grocery store. And Nashville's like Austin, you know, it's like super progressive, a lot of, you know, it's like a, even though it's in the South, it's its own little mm-hmm. hub. And so I go 30 minutes out and I go to a grocery store and I'm picking up some groceries because I'm staying outside of town. And I ask the person at the front, I go, uh, do you guys have any almond butter? And she looks at me like, what the fuck did you just say? Almond butter? <laughs> like, I have no idea what you're, I was like, what? She's like, like almond flavored butter? And I was like, no, no, no. no. Like, they like, like use almonds like they would peanuts and they make butter. And she's like, whoa. And then she gets on the loudspeaker and goes, anybody ever heard of almond butter? And I was like, what the fuck planet am I on? Like, it's just almond butter. You know, like, let alone asking for almond milk. You know, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? You make milk? Yeah. <laughs> and, but that idea that, you know, in that, grocery store the they haven't even heard of that concept that everything they have there is jiff peanut butter packed with high fructose corn syrup every label is brightly colored and just full of all of the preservatives and the dyes that cause you know yellow six that causes Mm -hmm. hyperactivity and all the all the shit that you know is part of the problem they're just constantly ingesting it you know and then with slow internet access speeds and the predominant you know kind of media that's being piped in in the area fuck they don't have you know they don't have nearly the chance that they should and that's again going to your same point you got to correct the bottom from the you know from the ground up back in with new nutrition information back in with new other mindset information you know something's crazy i just learned is that the ada still pushes a low-fat diet Mm. and you talk about narratives going against science i know it's like so we get invested in that that's kind of like what i feel like we're doing as a whole like we're trying to tell our grandparents and our families like that everything they taught us is nonsense and we we don't really believe in it anymore and so even when we're talking about you know christians and we're like come on man come on sky daddies come on guys (laughs) you're essentially trying you're essentially telling your parents when you laugh at them that that it, they were wrong. They're stupid for believing their parents. Their parents lied to them. Their presidents lied to them. And it's then, crazy. of course, they're going to be defensive. And so, like, I want us to all start talking about those same things that you're saying. Like, wherever you were outside of Austin, like, they have essential food deserts, too. They're not as bad as they are in the inner cities. But they're sitting there eating absolute crap, being completely miseducated. And then we stand back as like elites that grew up on the coast mm-hmm. and around money. And we're like, oh, look how dumb these people sure. are. They're so fucking stupid. Look at them vote for Trump. <laughs> don't they know? And then they're like, vote for Hillary. And it's like, but don't you know that either one of them in charge is fucking you? Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's kind of what we're entrenched in is that tribalism. And I've, I really am desperately searching for a way to break us through that same divide where it's like, no, like they have nutrition issues. And the reason what the same reason you want us to be empathetic for a poor black kid who was uh, lead poisoned and ends up being killed in the back of a police van is the same reason we want you to be empathetic for the Bundy guy who was running away and got executed by the FBI for no reason. Like, can't we all see that this is the same damn oppressor mm-hmm. that that is kind of controlling us and keeping us all from achieving our, our potential as a society and interacting with human beings and, and growing? Yeah. It'd also be good to, you know... It's a shame that cops are like, in most situations, because everybody's a criminal, because we're all doing criminal things, and cops are supposed to enforce these things that we don't really believe in, 
it's created this antagonist antagonistic mm-hmm. relationship like it, the cops are the best thing ever when there's some shit that actually happens like when there's when there's something that you really need a cop for they're the best thing otherwise it's fucking annoying they slow down the roads mm-hmm. like you know if you're out trying to party it's like fuck the fucking cops are here buzzkill you know what i mean but like someone robbed some uh some machinery from my family house when i was like 12 and like seeing those red and blues come was like yes <laughs> yes and then you get to high school you know and you're having a beer on out in the fucking clearing somewhere and the red and blues come and you're like no no why you know and it's just it's just a shame that you know for most of us who are like maybe smoking weed or maybe going a few miles an hour above the speed limit you get this like negative association with a group of people and then i'm sure you guys have to feel that too i mean you have to feel that aren't we you know, supposed to hate the cops though yeah i mean like fundamentally as americans like isn't that <laughs> the most the police, american thing that you can but do? i always i always fantasize about a situation where if all the laws all the laws were cool and the cops had the flexibility kind of like in israeli command like in israeli command if you're given orders and those orders don't make sense to you on the ground you're supposed to disregard those orders like that's not the American military command system. It's and the Israelis are one of the best military systems ever because they allow agency of choice for decisions to Your be made leader, fast on the ground. To make field leader decisions exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that's the situation where you know if you had emotional training, consciousness training, and where cops were like truly there, like they had your back and they weren't just you know they thought the same things that you did, and there wasn't this divide. They weren't compelled to make any kind of arrests you know i think in the future that's the situation you want and then at that point anytime a cop's around you're like fuck yeah sweet you know the cops are here like sure so why does that person need a gun (sighs) yeah for the other people who potentially have guns right right, so yeah so that's where i'd like to to see kind of the divide is that we would redefine policing into limiting policing to what it really is because policing is a comply or die situation Mm-hmm. Now, what? why do we need comply or die situations for your family's place to be investigated for a burglary? Yeah. Why do we need comply or die situations for a traffic stop? Right? So the, the reason cops kill people in traffic stops is because they're afraid that they have guns. In America, they're largely correct. Mm-hmm. And we sow in this fear of something that's going to happen that is, like, statistically, the, the odds of a cop being shot during a car stop completely immeasurable like they Mm. are non-existent it is fundamentally zero your risk level pulling over a vehicle but we're stuck in this idea that cops these enforcers will go and they'll have guns and a gun with an enforcement from the state means you will comply with me over so much as a speeding ticket or i will fucking kill you (laughs) and i want to change it to the idea that there are times when we actually mean as a society do this or we will fucking kill you. Yeah. So when you're holding your daughter hostage in a house with a gun next to her head, we mean, listen, or we're going to fucking kill you. Yeah. And that's the only purpose of police. I think only police we should need should be SWAT teams 
and everything else. And they do not handle calls. Do they do not make arrests? They do not do any of that. I think that we should have people on the street who enforce laws. For one, no consensual adult agreements. That's preposterous. We are not hunting people down for blowjobs or drugs or <laughs> anything they do to themselves. Can you believe that we still do that? It's like crazy. it's fucking crazy, right? It's <laughs> fucking crazy. Roots, you know, we're arresting people for giving each other blowjobs. Yes, there's even been what? people of you know two dudes in in uh, Texas were two dudes want to butt fuck. Yeah. Let the dudes butt fuck. I hear you. Fucking, it's their butt. Right. It's their butt. But even if police, it's not your butt. The think about the Fuck. best. The best p- trained police under our concept means that they will actually get those sodomizers and put them in prison. And put them in prison safely. But they get butt fucked in prison right. indefinitely. Right, oh, right. good job. So bad. Well, you've saved the world from butt fucking by sending them to the butt fuck capital of the world. Prison. You're, you've done right. excellent work here, everybody. And now, if they don't want to go, should we kill them? <laughs> yeah. Have, kill the butt fuckers. All of them. For sure. Right. Fuck. That's what our system really is. We're saying we'll kill them if they don't we if we if the butt fuckers won't go to the butt fucker <laughs> house we will kill them and we're insane uh, for that insane oh man so i really want us to get to the point where like if somebody doesn't want to pull over for a traffic ticket that's okay i mean we don't need to have them running down the street going across the side and running over a six-year-old child because yeah. as an officer i was there when six-year-old kids were killed i was there on traffic scenes when you see this trauma and cops are seeing this trauma every day people are subject to that trauma every day and why we would do things that incentivize traumatizing people, which, again, I don't think is some bullshit psychological thing. I think you physically change people when you traumatize them. Of course. So we are actively traumatizing our citizens because we're so afraid of, like, I guess the others or the tribe or, or whatever it is. It's the fundamental failure to recognize the fundamental metaphysical principle. There's like only really one you need. Like, all right, you want to talk morality. There's books and shit on morality. There's books on spirituality. You need fucking one principle. We're all the same, living different lives. That's it. You got that? And like everything else follows from that. Like, cool. Got it. Oh, cops, same as me. Soldiers, same as me. Right, left, same. Different lives, different conditioning, different biases, different fears, different motivations, you know, but same. What would make us do those things, right? Because theoretically, if we were under those same circumstances, then we we would probably do those same things. That's Jordan Peterson's famous experiment where he goes through and he explains to people how they could become a Nazi prison guard. Like the conditioning that would have to occur, the right environment, this... Mm -hmm kind of recipe that would create that situation yeah hitler i I assure you it always feels controversial when you talk about hitler but i guarantee you he thought he was doing good he thought he was making a better world for his tribe which is what we're all trying to do here in the same way so what would make us feel this evil maybe like a red scare or thinking that our president is actually going to destroy the world because, you know, he's a reality star. Like, this is our first TV star as a, as a president or that this this whole re- – or that a president is actually in control uh, and actually has that much power. I mean, Exxon doesn't give a damn about nation borders. We do live in a globalist <laughs> society where the real power players – 
their boundaries are defined by where their business operations are. You know, that's what has a true power play. Let Microsoft really want to change something. Let Exxon or Google really want to change something. It's going to change. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, this is a time where it seems like we're all of the shit, all of the shadow is being brought to the surface. We're, we're having we're a hard to, time choking over here. Yeah, right? We are for sure because <laughs> it's it's coming out heavy and fast, and we're waking up to the realities of who we are, the realities of what's going on, and then we're overreacting, you know, dramatically in all of these situations. But you know, it's it's come to the point where it's come. It's now a spectacle. And at the point of spectacle, I think eventually everybody looks and goes, this is a fucking circus. Oh, I know? hope and so. I hope they and will. that's, yeah. I think, the only other outcome other than, you know, there's other more pessimistic views where it spirals into the gulag archipelago or some, or some mm-hmm. other dark pathway like that. But I think at a certain point, the spectacle just becomes so much that people are like, all right, I'm ready for another way. And then that other way, you know, I see the... I see Gandalf riding over the hill with his fucking wand and his white cape. Like as we're down here with the orcs getting all fucked up, like, Hey, like you can wake up, you can wake up to who you really are. And here, let me, is that Plato's conundrum though? I mean, I mean, this is actually something like the enlightenment period kind of was discussing some of these issues and we re like re entrenched back into our, our nationalism. I mean, Plato was trying to get people out of the cave, although he said, you know, some of these better, are not going to be But it gets out. better every cycle. That's Maybe, one thing yeah, we yeah, don't point, forget. You know, like we look at, oh yeah, fucking mental health care system so bad. They were lobotomizing people like within <laughs> right. the last century. <laughs> sure. And that's where they take an ice pick through the corner of the eye and they just kind of thrash around a little bit. Electroshock therapy. And you look at like the levels of racism and like the levels of sexism. It's bad, but it's on this gradual scale of improvement. I mean, we we were burning witches. What? We were burning witches a while ago. Yeah, you know, that's that wasn't true. like Even that when wasn't we talk too about long. police, police now, I have to say that, you know, it's like again, police are the least corrupt and least violent that they've probably ever been. Totally. There's just more cameras <laughs> right. now. Now you just know and you can't continue to deny it. But one of the things I was doing is, is what you were just saying. I'm glad you brought up Jordan Peterson because I started like I mean, being a around Black Lives Matter all the time, I'm in those kind of bubbles. That's what I hear. And everybody's like, listen, listen, listen. It's like, well, who's listening to the other people? Mm -hmm. So I started doing things like listening to Peterson, listening to Shapiro, listening to all these other people. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, the news that you're getting about what these guys said is so out of context. It is not at all the point that they're making. And no matter who any of them are, almost all of them, you can say, like, no, if you would have listened and hashed out this idea, you would see that he really doesn't mean anything too crazy from you. I listened to Richard Spencer just this morning, and he was making this ethnocentric country argument that he has. And, of course, from his perspective, it's a, it's, it's a white supremacist one where you, you create an ethnic country. And it's like, but this is like actually the same argument for black segregation that I've been heard, hearing from black power. Uh, same thing. It's the exact same argument. I, I don't know, like, even how you're objecting to his argument because he's saying you should have an African state, which is what you're asking for. And he should have a white state, which is what you're asking for. <laughs> so I don't know how, like, if you're calling him a Nazi, sure, I'll agree with you. But he's actually trying to achieve the same goals and same argument that you were presenting for an all black neighborhood with an all black infrastructure with all black candidates and all black mayors that you only can listen to the black people from that neighborhood. It's that's, 
that's just a micro ethnocentric country. Come on. <laughs> which is a fucking nightmare, which is like the exact reversion back. But we, I don't think we'll get there. You know, oh, there's no, a there, couple there, there voices on it. that. But I think that the general swell is that one of, you know, recognizing these fundamental truths. There's, there's a resonance to truth and then there's a consequence to delusion. And that's why I think I tend to be more optimistic than most is just because I, I trust the resonance of truth. I've watched enough people go through periods where they've come in unconscious and then become conscious. History's on your side. And, and then and seeing, like, seeing how that sticks and then also seeing the consequence of delusion. Delusion just creates more trauma, creates more violence and discord, and eventually that becomes intolerable. Like That is why I think ultimately – good wins as long as we can keep this game from having one of these massive reset buttons you know that can potentially happen and that's what's that's a challenge when you have like disproportionately bad things that can happen to the planet sure, sure. you know but worst case scenario before was pretty minor yeah exactly you know an army walks this right. way and fucks up the people who couldn't walk that way fast right. enough you know what i mean like it's a little different now but but yeah nonetheless i think i'm just I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. That I, think I think you're the right. Are in it's place. just that in our positions, it's so easy to accept time. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, and I kind of got my head space all in. Like, I mean, like the idea of like Tamir Rice being killed the way he was was like just emotionally traumatic for me. It really mm-hmm. changed my life course. Watching the state do that to a child, I was like, I still to this day can't wrap my head. Bring that, uh, let people know what happened there. So it was about three years ago, maybe two years ago, and um, there was a call in a Cleveland park for somebody, a kid playing with a gun. Um, the officer just gets that somebody's playing with a gun, and I want to remind everybody immediately that any cop that thinks that takes seriously what a nine one one caller or the ditch bastard says seriously, no, you're an idiot cop. And you have been on the day on the job for about two seconds because you never ever believe what the nine one one caller is giving you. And I'll give you a good scenario to that remind me of that why mm-hmm. you don't okay. believe the nine one one caller because I got somebody killed by not believe because I believe the nine one one caller. But um, so so Tamir was in a park playing. It's on camera, and he's playing with a BB gun. He has it in his pocket at this point in time. When the police arrive, they speed up. Uh, total Dukes of Hazard style passenger in 1.7 seconds uh, arrives on, uh, at Tamir, puts two bullets in him. He goes to the ground. Uh, they handcuff him. He's bleeding out as his sister runs across because they live there. The police tackle her, throw her into the car, handcuff her, let her watch her 12-year-old brother bleed out, choking on his own blood while they performed zero medical attention on him or anybody else. Just stood there with dumb, confused looks on their face. And then they don't get fired for that. Don't get charged. The FOP stands up and says, you know, this is police officers acting in the right way. And I have been a professional police officer for over a decade then. I wrote the book on how to professionally police. Literally, it's on Amazon. (laughs) And this was the exact opposite. No cop, no military member, no one with a gun has ever been trained to act in this way. And to cover this up when a 12-year-old boy, a child, a citizen is the victim like everything that I thought about policing and everything that I like respected about the people who told me to go do this job, I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I need to find a way that that doesn't happen again. 
Sure. And so when it takes a long time, like it's easy. Does that happen to my 13 year old pretty white blonde daughter? Not a fucking chance. I bet you she could stand on a park popping off a real gun and cops aren't going to shoot her. You know, one look at her and you're like, I don't know. This guy is just going to have some connections, you know. And so you're you're not going to go into a situation like that through through rational things or through irrational things that we've all been put through in our social constructs. So I want to change it so that that absolutely never happens again. And that's that's like what justice is and what I'm fighting for. And I don't want to be complacent in in my privilege when i know that 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 is always vulnerable and really i think it grows as the orwellian police state escalates you see plenty i mean daniel shaver was just all over the news not too long ago i mean if you're white you are by no means are you safe you know Mm -hmm. i think a pretty white blonde girl is still safe but by no means are you Expe- right. I mean, you are way too dark, well, way too hairy. Shit <laughs> <laughs> is not going to go well for you either. You know, with a lot of. I podcasts. mean, pretty white blonde girl is safe for safe from cops, but right. is it safe from her neighbor? Is it safe from the sure. babysitter who you know their parents have hired? Like the amount of sexual trauma for that same person is fucking astronomical. I mean, the amount of numbers and actually you know dealing with some trauma stuffs and working through maps and starting to uncover it. And just as this conversation is coming out, so many fucking people have had to deal with it. Like, all right, so different cross to bear. Yeah, I totally think that's like, critical too. Yeah, like different. Everybody has their own. Everybody has some of their shit mm-hmm. that they have to that they have to deal with. And I think that's the thing that we all have to realize. We can all play. We can all claim victim. We can all claim privilege. We can all claim mm-hmm. this or that. It ultimately doesn't matter. Like what's inside matters, and that is that. That is where the playing field is level. Yeah, so you're beings. right. Even if you're super rich and you're inequality, if we have that social construct of caring about other people, then the inequality of the system even kind of gets mitigated because the person will go out and do the good things if they see our constructs is the way That's you're saying. That's it, man. It's just everybody needs the consciousness and all, and all the wealth discrepancy. You know, like if you really love people and you realize that those people are the same as you and they, you know, they could really benefit from your money and resources, you'll give that willingly. It's not about Bernie Sanders' plan to try and tax all the money away. You try to grab something from someone, what does that person do? No, motherfucker, that's mine. (laughs) They're going to pull that away. They're going to move it offshore. You're never going to get that shit. But if you get that person to love everybody, to see everybody, you know, as themselves, then they're going to willingly want to give that out. That's a super good point. I feel like that was part of the message that I kind of got from like the Midwest was that how are you going to make an argument to take from the people when they don't have anything and like even myself like i mean i have a decent paycheck but just for my retirement but like i can't help anybody yeah you know so when i see in la especially the homelessness here it's like if i had the power i would certainly certainly do it but i could get how people don't want to be forced yeah it won't work it won't work you gotta you gotta let those people you just gotta open their actual like care up open their heart up and you know using that metaphor like allow them to really give a shit and then give a shit more than this kind of fear-based protectionism ego-based i need to be dominant i need to be safe i need to be secure i need to have this much money like that all shifts like if you're with a bunch of people and you're right there sitting down next to them and you have seven sandwiches and they're all looking at you like sad and you're like <laughs> all of these are mine and you just like lick one right. and like throw it away and like throwing stuff off on the ground nobody would do that you know, but we do that because we have enough boundary and we have enough like plausible deniability. But when you when you're awake and you realize, then you have 
way less of that. And then you start to dedicate your efforts towards, you know, where it can help the most. Yeah, I hope so. People do seem to want safety. Like that seems to be a very key underpinning. So Mm -hmm. even when they want to do something that's oppressive or they want to to lock those those people up really with their their that that underlying core is to be safe at, in themselves and that their children will be safe. I don't even know if people really look at like prosperity as much as we think because there's plenty of very poor and incredibly peaceful societies in in Africa right incredibly now. Incredibly happy, yeah. Right. And so we're definitely like our social construct of America is kind of messing with me and making me wonder how how we get to those better places and and I I love the way that you are definitely presenting. Yeah, man. And I love the way that I love the work that you're doing. You know, nice. that voice is a fucking super important one. <laughs> oh, know? the 911 call. That's oh, the 911 call. All okay. right. Yeah. All right. So I was a young officer in a town called Pigtown. And it's because I used to march the pigs through there when they were taking them to the slaughterhouse. And, and so it, it got that name. And so I'm getting a 911 call that a man has a gun. And what does every rookie cop do? Yes, this dude's got a gun. I'm going to go jack him up. Right, he's got a weapon on him. He's going down the street. So I pull down the street. I see him there. I'm like, oh, there he is. Yoke him up. Put him up on the corner. Search him. Grab him. Go through all his pockets. Get everything. He's got nothing on him. And I was like, oh, bullshit call. Get in my car. And I roll out. I go five blocks down the street. He got capped. And I was used by whoever killed him to call 911 to make sure he was unarmed because he was almost always armed by watching the cops jack him up and search him. They realized that he was not armed. So obviously I learned from that and in the future would never ever openly search somebody like that when I had a call like that. You know, wow. but That's some fucking real, right? but think about how easy that is to, to, of course. to pull off. Of course, if you grow up in an environment where you're fighting for your life, that's an obvious easy thing to do. Look at yep. the dumb cop from the county who's lovely, would love to get a good stat real quick. He's going to jack yep. this dude up. I make sure he's good, then I get him. And, and so we really have to think about like everything Some that we're blinders doing. Some peaky blinders type of shit. Right? Oh, peaky blinders. <laughs> peaky blinders fucking good. Um, tell us about your book, man. Okay, so my book is called Crimes and Punishments in the 21st Century. And the reason I came back and wrote that is, of course, because whenever you talk publicly, you always end up making ass out of yourself a few years later, because they used to always shit on philosophy. And it's like, I mean, you got a philosophy and philosophy degree. Like, mm-hmm. when you start imagining about, oh, what is the nature of being? And I'm like, oh, I have sh- a philosophy okay. degree. So, so <laughs> Perfect. So I'm like, shut <laughs> the fuck up with all of that, right? <laughs> so I get into my positions where I'm talking about policing and I'm trying to explain the things that we need to do going forward. And I realized, shit, nobody understands me because I have not explained my fucking philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) So so I sat down and wrote a philosophy book based off of a modernization, bringing the enlightenment period to criminal justice and explaining why essentially how we're, we're animals and we need to treat ourselves as these biological beings, how free will works, how we need to deal with confidential informants. What a, what, a, what justice system can look like that actually builds up a system in its fundamental principles, why we're doing this for each question. So it's broken down in the 57 chapter, 47 chapters of like, I mean, it'd be uh, vague laws. Like what happens when a law is vague or how do you prevent the law from being vague? When an obs- a law is obscure, what's obscure, what does this mean? Or for like judges right now, we have a thing where we can, I have a magistrate's clause that I think we should have where judges should not be able to interpret law. And that seems like a very... Uh, conservative kind of 
principle, but what happens there is if you philosophically think about what happens when a judge interprets a law, well, you end up with law being a complete oligarchy and completely obscure to the people because what is criminal is judged by an individual who is of the elite class and is at their will of interpretation. And then they are interpreting other judges' interpretations. So you end up with this continuing over-criminalization where like now you end up – you need a lawyer to even understand the law and that's that's obscurity to the law. So right. when you have judges interpreting legislation and you have obscurity, you create – tyranny this is literal tyranny that we operate under because at no point in time are you actually sure whether you will be arrested for a crime or not and that is when you talk about like affecting you emotionally and stress in your life every single citizen in this country can be arrested at any single point in time and if you don't that's that's a pretty unsafe environment to be yeah in. and also you you know there's that study on the israeli parolee judges that showed when they had you know their blood sugar swings were deterministic of whether they would actually grant parole or not so it's not only their interpretation it's their fucking mood so all you know, the, did, I, their, did their mistress say something that pissed of them course, off that day you're going away for life human, yeah exactly right? so do we want to say a, a human can say, no, we're going to do this and we're going to do this in cir- this circumstance, but not this in this circumstance. When we know humans are, are completely the worst eyewitnesses <laughs> in the entire world, like, I don't think we should ever have eyewitnesses. Like, I don't know how many eyewitnesses the, the society wants to settle on, but I tell you one, two, three, I'm not even confident in that because <laughs> we have so much history that shows they will see whatever they want to see because right. illu- vision is an illusion. Listen, I just went to Chris Angel. I still can't figure that right, shit out. Right, okay, so that's a All good right, so Optical illusions. fucking birds flying out of there. There's a fucking <laughs> hot chick here and then there's a motorcycle. I don't know what the fuck happened. Right, so those optical illusions, we have to talk about that for human beings. So even, like, that's what I have to get into in the book, is even when you're talking about, well, the witness said this, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like that witness, when the cops said that they saw Tamir as being bigger and stronger and older, like literally they can do that. Vision is an illusion. Yeah. They can see somebody as a bigger threat. They can literally see them as a demon. That's what they can be seeing. Objective reality is not at all what we see. This is not a window. This is something that receives a tiny spectrum of light converts that into electrical signal, sends that to our brain, our biology and our past experiences translate that into something that we think it is. And then when Chris Angel stands in front of you, you're like, what? Vegas! And then he can tell you how he does it. He can show you an optical illusion, explain to you how it works, and then you will still see the illusion because guess what? You don't have any free will over your optical (laughs) illusions (laughs) or your vision, right? So you don't even have free wills to what you're seeing. So even if you have free will, you don't know that your information is fucking worth anything Mm -hmm. because you're just operating off of your best guess. And we must understand that we're all at our best guess. So even if you're talking about witnesses, if you have two witnesses, at best, you you can't say that these people saw him. You can say their best guess is they saw that this person who was suggested to them as being a possibility that they were seen was identified. That is crap. <laughs> you know, like that can't work. Well, you have to really think about like what we mean when we say beyond a reasonable doubt. Like we should not be putting citizens in prison cells or executed to death or anything like that when we cannot say for sure. And everything that we keep showing throughout history shows us that we're putting we're executed executing innocent people our country executed over a hundred children already on death row for something death row doesn't work and the idea that you're executing children who haven't even formulated the ability to be judged yeah their the fucking frontal cortex isn't even sure. developed well 
I'm glad you wrote this fucking book. <laughs> Did you narrate it? No, we are doing that right now. That is the hardest thing. So people that buy it now, they're actually getting a proof cop, a bunch of proofs that I sent in. Okay. Because uh, we're sitting there reading it and we're doing uh, filming it. The wife and I are switching back and forth. Cool. And that shit is hella harder I know. than I ever could have imagined. I'm doing, I'm doing mine in like a month. They booked me for six days. I was like, six days, eight hours a day. I was like, fucking 48 hours of yeah, reading so tired like, jesus three hours you'll be exhausted i know i know and you keep fucking up and you're gonna get so <laughs> mad at yourself yeah and so we're at that right now we got to finish up the last chapters and i'll have it on youtube and i'll do an we're doing an audio book too beautiful well thank you for what you thank do you, man brother. it's been a fucking pleasure dropping Appreciate in with it, you getting to know you thanks everybody peace thanks for tuning in everybody Right now, I'm going to play you a sample of my course, Go For Your Win, which relaunches on January 29th of this year. I recorded an audio version which covers everything that the original course did from discovering your purpose, training essential skills, overcoming resistance, but adds in my own current commentary to each of these topics to make sure it is completely up to date and the absolute best work that I can provide you guys. It has a thriving community on Facebook. I'll be dropping in with my own advice, coaching. It's a great way to reach me. And we'll also be offering masterminds where you get to come out to Austin, visit on it, visit with me, and check out the whole experience here. I hope you guys check out the site. It's goforyourwin.com, goforyourwin.com. And I hope you enjoy the sample. Go for your win. Discover your purpose, train essential skills, and overcome resistance. By yours truly, Aubrey Marcus. Preface. Know this. You are not the same person you were yesterday, and you won't be the same person tomorrow. Heraclitus said it best. No one steps in the same river twice, because it is not the same river, and you are not the same person. You can decide to be different today because you literally are different. Your cells are turning over into new cells. Even your genetics change daily by switching off and on certain expressions of your genes through epigenetic triggers. But to experience transformation and be the best version of yourself, you have to surrender your history and your personal story and give yourself permission to start fresh. Today. It can happen in a moment, like it did for me when I decided to go by the name of Aubrey, my grandfather's name. Did all my habits change overnight? Hell no. I'm still working on them now. But that one moment, that one choice was seminal. It was the start. The journey of 10,000 hours to home, to mastery of your life, begins with a tiny bit of inertia. A moment's choice. That's all. And by joining this course, you're on the path. Congratulations. You are going for your win. Give yourself some love. You're the hero of your own story, and the hardest part, getting started, is already behind you. Lesson two, don't get distracted. An extremely successful entrepreneur, Josh Bazzoni, has a rule. He only allows himself to focus on a maximum of three things at any given time. For a person addicted to creation, such as myself, this was a revolutionary concept. I am often working on three things simultaneously, but I could recognize the wisdom in this maxim. It is all too easy to distract yourself with starting a new project. There is all of this energy and momentum, but then resistance hits and the grind starts. If we permit ourselves the option to start something else, we will never see anything through to fruition, the literal fruiting of our efforts. Focus on a maximum of three things only, and you will have a much greater chance of doing those things well, 
and reaping the benefit from your labor. Commentary One of the biggest failings of anybody that I work with, whether it's a friend or whether it's someone in this course, is they will start a bunch of different things and then not finish them. Whether you're an artist who paints half a painting and then ditches it and starts a new one, there's something about the fear of actually finishing something because when you finish something, then you put that up for judgment by the world. Someone will have to either buy that piece of art or someone will have to do something with it if you actually finish it. But if you don't finish it and you just keep starting new stuff, then you never really put yourself out there. It's a way that people can play small. And we'll touch on this concept a lot more throughout the course. But by limiting the amount of things that you have to focus on to three and then really going to completion at all of these things, you're going to do yourself a huge favor.